You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids Radio. When I had my first child, like many mums, I had no idea what I was doing. Deep down, I still don't know. (laughs) But somewhere, I expected that I should know what I was doing. And this is in the really early days when it was all brand new. It didn't matter what it was. I thought I should know how to breastfeed. I thought I should know how to settle. The whole bit. And even when I got help with those things, I kept criticizing myself for not doing it well. Pinky McKay is a baby care author and parenting expert, and she's got some thoughts on starting out as a new mum or dad. Hi, Pinky. How are you? Hi, Siobhan. So do you find many women you help are being critical of themselves and the way they parent? Totally. So many people go... Um, you know, feel as though they're failing at something or they feel, and often I've said to mums, have you spoken about this in your mother's group? Oh no, everyone else is so together. You know, I can assure you they cry into their tea towels or they cry in the shower (laughs) or whatever. And one time I actually saw three mums in the same suburb within two weeks of each other and the same story for each of them. You know, have you spoken about it in your mother's group? They all had three to four month old babies. They must have been in the same mother's group. But because of confidentiality, I couldn't ask, you know, do you know her down the down the street? Yeah, she's having the same issues she's you are. in a mess just like you. Mm, and mess. it's not really a mess. It's just, it feels like a mess. It's just... Life has changed so dramatically. It feels very chaotic. And um, one of the, you, you did an amazing TED talk that I watched before you came into the studio where you talk about the word surrender. Mm. Why do you feel that's so important to parents? Yeah, and look, surrender's not about waving the white flag and giving up, it's actually about acceptance, about, you know, this is how it is now. And you know, you can try and wish your way out of whatever's happening. You can try desperately to fix things and make them different. But really, surrender and accepting this is how it is now and I am enough is is probably a better way to get through things. It's funny when you said that it's not with the white flag. I just saw these this army of little babies. <laughs> yeah. We are not going to surrender, so you need to. You hold up your white flag, Mum. Wave that in the air. <laughs> because that's that's part of it, isn't it? That um, babies are unpredictable creatures, and if we if we don't learn to accept that, it makes life a lot harder. Oh, it's so hard because you're trying to fight, you're trying to fit them in. It becomes a battle between you and your child, and you're trying to instill some sort of routine, and that's not going to work for your particular baby or. Um, you know, you're getting up resentful because that baby's waking you one more time in the night and that energy is so negative. And I'm sure the babies, they're not psychic, but I think I nearly said psychopathic. They almost are. <laughs> That's right. They're not psychic. They can't read your mind and think mum's frustrated, but they can pick up on that energy. And I think sometimes just chilling and thinking, okay, today we might not get out of our pyjamas. We just might sit around for today and, you know, Netflix and chill with the baby. Oh, what a great <laughs> idea. I wish I'd given myself permission to do that. Who am I kidding? We didn't have Netflix with my baby. No, I born. know. It's so new. It's not fair, <laughs> It's a whole it? new meaning for mothers, isn't it? That's, That's right. And, and you should embrace that just while your it's child okay. is not okay. You know, if you put things away. And I've always found surrender right through my life. It's a really hard thing. I've got 18 years between my oldest and youngest children. And so... You know, my I had four kids in 10 years, but then 
I had a bonus baby. (laughs) What a good way of putting that. A 16-year-old and an 18-year-old who looked at me and looked at their father and went, you don't still (laughs) do it. (laughs) And and this little baby. And I had to go back to, you know, and but there have been times since then where I've had, you know, I've got a... um, autoimmune disorder and that will flare up actually it flared up last year you know things like that that will when I get to doing too much and then of course as soon as you feel well off you go again and it's like that with a little baby as soon as you get a calm patch with your baby you think right it's back to normal again whatever normal might be and you go help for leather and all of a sudden your baby's pattern changes and they you know they start waking at night again where they had been sleeping quite well and it's accepting that this is how it is for now and it won't be like that forever yeah, that's key, isn't it? But I need to slow down right now. Yeah. And everything else will still be there when you get back to it. Like, you know, it's not going away, that dust on the skirting boards or whatever. Yeah. It's okay. It's going to be there when you come back. You're listening to Kindling Conversation. I'm speaking with Pinky McKay, who's a baby care author and parenting expert. And we're talking about the word surrender and how um, it can just help you get through some tough times as a parent. Pinky, you just mentioned the gap between your eldest and your youngest child. Mm-hmm. I imagine you yourself saw how different the advice was between the two of them. I figure the advice changes about every five years. <laughs> <laughs> when I had my first child, it was, you know, there was Truby King and there was four hourly feeding and I had six sister-in-laws. Well, I've still got them, but I've five of them now. But, you know, they were all older than me. And of course, because I didn't, you know, and I got told by my mother-in-law, oh, you know, one of them gets up, she gets up and she does the bath before the 6am feed. And I'm thinking, 6am, I don't do mornings. I'm going to feed my baby whatever time he wakes up and snuggle down in bed with him. (laughs) (laughs) So I was a bit of a renegade there. And I actually went to the child health nurse and she said, you know, how many feeds a day is your baby having? And then she looked at me and said, has he dropped any feeds? I said, oh, it feels like he's gone from 24 to 20 preps. And she just looked at me and laughed and she said she'd just come from New Guinea. So I was really lucky because in those days people, you know, there were very few women breastfeeding. I actually knew so little about breastfeeding. I went to the doctor with a lump in my breast at eight months after having, you know, I had my baby was in NICU and I expressed a teaspoonful at a time and then got him back and it all happened again. And... um the doctor pressed my lump and milk squirted out. And he said to me, oh, are you breastfeeding? And I went, yeah. He said, oh, that's unusual. Oh, it's very good though. Uh, I actually had mastitis. And I, and I didn't, didn't know, know why I had a lump in my breast. Wow. Isn't that incredible? So I had no clue. And then, um, yes, yeah, so by the time I had my youngest baby. So so in that, and then we went through the 80s because those two oldest kids were born late 70s. And then in the 80s, I had my two girls. And... By then, there was a lot more breastfeeding. There was a lot more acceptance. And with my first child, we moved to New Zealand. I'm actually from New Zealand originally, but we moved over there. And um, I went to La Leche League to find out how to wean my child because here was this one-year-old and my mother was threatening that my my husband would leave me if I kept breastfeeding (laughs) because that's what my Uncle Bill had done. He didn't get a look in because my auntie was breastfeeding. (laughs) That wasn't the case at all because he had lots of other ladies after that. (laughs) But, you know, there was very much – and all the articles were, you know, about – and magazines were about how to look after your partner so he didn't feel left out. And they actually called them husbands. They weren't partners in those days. You know, there was all that crazy advice. The only advice about parenting was in, like, New Idea or The Woman's Weekly, and it generally told you – 
how many nighties you needed and there were a few knitting patterns <laughs> and there was nothing about actually taking care of a baby. I think it was assumed it would be intuitive. So yeah. there was a lot more intuition going on and a lot more faith, a lot less guilt, I guess, and a lot less self-doubt. Whereas by the time I've had my youngest child um, in the 90s, um, <laughs> all these decades, I think he was the first generation of when the internet came in. So the internet brought all this information. We had loads of information, but then our trust in ourselves has gone down. And that's so sad. That's when I wrote Parenting by Heart, actually, because I just saw this loss of confidence that's in ourselves. Huge. Yeah, that is huge because you're trying to, you're hearing all the things that you're meant to do. Mm. So you lose touch with what feels right. That's right. So I would say to mums, you know, do a check-in. Is it safe? Is it respectful? And does it feel right for me? Wherever that advice is coming from, it doesn't matter where you've read it or who's told you. You know, you don't have to fit into a particular parenting label because now we have all the labels too. Yeah, and that's what I was going to ask you if you had any advice for um, parents who feel judged because there is so much judgment or it feels like there's a lot of judgment around things like do if we choose to bottle feed for whatever reason and not breastfeed or if we co-sleep with our babies or we put them in our cots. There is all these decisions that I kind of feel like my mum's generation just We didn't did have it. them when I had my older kids. You didn't have them. And my next door neighbour was actually having a difficult time breastfeeding. So... Um, her husband was insisting that she breastfed, so she would bottle feed during the day and breastfeed the baby when her husband was home or bottle feed secretly. This went wow. on for quite a, quite a while, and I just actually thought it was a bit funny. Like, I used to think, just why, why do you have to do these things in secret? But, you know, it was her, her pressure. And there wasn't enough information for women to, you know, boost their milk supply or do the things that they – that would have made it easier for them. So – they did do, you know, but there was no judging. There might be the old lady in the shop that would say, you know, oh, he needs to have a hat on. <laughs> Whereas now it's not just the little old lady in the shop. It's actually people all around the world who, who don't know you. Yeah, and don't know your family, right? They don't know your family. They don't know your story. They don't know your background, but they will judge. What about um, C-sections? Because this is something different as well. I mean, I, I've recently posted something, an article I read about caesareans on my Facebook page and just said, you know, I feel like there's this weird kind of silence around women who've had C-sections. And sometimes I hear women speaking like they're almost, um, they're sad that they had a C-section or they feel, feel like they haven't really given birth because they didn't feel contractions. And I um, didn't have caesareans, but I feel like there is this weird kind of silence around them. And on top of that, some people keep saying things like they're too posh to push. And I just wonder That's what really you're... sad, isn't it? Mm. And, and I don't know that it's too posh to push. I think often it's too frightened. So women will opt for a caesarean because there's a big fear around birth. You know, again, we're not trusting our bodies. But again, there are women who medically need a caesarean, you know, and... And I think there is a lot of um, questioning of yourself and your body when things don't work out, whether it's um, a cesarean so you haven't actually, you know, had a vaginal birth or whether it's a, um, a breastfeeding thing that doesn't work out for you. You know, women, you expect to birth your baby. It's a biological thing. It's part of your sexuality to, you know, you get pregnant, you birth a baby, you feed a baby. It's it's a continuum it's an intrinsic part of our sexuality. So we feel like somehow we've been cheated or 
I guess naturally about mothers. I know with my actually with my fourth baby, I had a difficult birth and a long labour and an induction. And um, even though I was fine after this birth, I still had dreams for several months about going back and birthing her properly because I'd had two incredibly easy two-hour labours, vaginal births before that, and I just thought. I should have nailed this. But it wasn't, I wasn't really beating up on myself. It was just my mind processing. And I think if a woman's had a difficult birth or a cesarean and she's got feelings like that, get some counselling. There are people who will do it. There's, you know, good psychologists. There's um, counsellors who specialise in birth trauma. Try and find somebody that you can really talk it through with to help you with those big emotions. Do you think women tend to underplay those feelings though. When you say the word birth trauma, someone might go, oh, but that's not what happened to me, even though they're still having those feelings of regret or failure because women sort of... Or questioning how, what could I have done that this could have been different? You know, we, that's, that's us as women, I think. You know, how could I have played this differently so that it worked or... Um, made it better for myself or did I do something wrong? I mean, if your child mucks up, you think, oh, I've done something wrong, you know. And even when they're teenagers, you know, go, what could I have done, you know, differently? (laughs) That's exactly what I think most mornings, Pinky. Yeah, yeah. How could I get better at this? We've got this perfectionist streak in ourselves and, and reaching out for help isn't a sign of failure. It's a sign of, you know, you care, you're doing a great job, you just need a little bit of help right now. And we all need help and support. And um, that sort of continues for beyond the babyhood space, Oh, it can it? be about your relationship with your partner or your husband. It can be or your, or your wife, whatever. You know, it can be all sorts of hiccups that we have along the way that we might need to check in. And often checking in with good girlfriends enough, you know, like, what was it, Paul Hogan and Crocodile Dundee? Don't you have any mates in America <laughs> talking about the shrink or something? <laughs> oh, my goodness, Paul Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> well, Pinky, we are going to keep you back after the show so that um, people can jump online and ask you some questions. But before you go, um, your Pinky McKay business, I should say, it has been, um, you're in the finals of the, let me get this right, the Oz Mumpreneur Awards. That's right. We've gone in with Booby Bickies, which is my business of cookies, lactation cookies to help support mothers breastfeed. And we do a lot of education around breastfeeding. Um, you know, it's not just about eating the cookies. It's, it's about, <laughs> well, of course she can eat the cookies <laughs> and they're better than a Tim Tam, but you know, they taste delicious and they help you know, most mums, I've got ingredients that help with your milk supply. Um, but we have done that and I've actually put a whole team in there. Like myself and my daughter, Sarah, started the business and we Sarah got married to a pilot last year. So went off to Dubai. She still works for us virtually, um, but not as much. But we've got a new business partner, Kim, who has two little boys, school age. And we've created this really mum-friendly business where – you know, Kim drops the boys off at school, picks the boys up at, from school. She's there three days a week. Um, you know, we might, we were just laughing today about how our hours, our work days are different. Like we might work in the evening or we might work, um, you know, do sort of, or if she needs to go to school to do an event with her child, you know, she'll be there for the morning and then she'll come back and we work together like that. And I just think it's really important to have a family friendly business. But see, that's not just about Pinky McKay. This is a team thing. So as a team, we've 
we're going for the Ozmumpreneur Award. And um, we've also been voted into the finals of the Influencer Award. So if we've influenced your journey, Brilliant. Um, I think there must be a it few would be women. great to come and vote for us. Okay. Well, what we'll do is we'll get the links um, and pop that up on the Kindling website. So if you'd like to vote for Pinky and her team, you can do so. Pinky, thank you so much. And we'll chat again soon Ooh, on the Facebook Live. Thank you. Thank you. That's Pinky McKay. She's a baby care author and parenting expert. As I just mentioned, she's coming, she's staying back, she's hanging around to have a Facebook Live with us, which means that you can ask Pinky your questions personally. Jump on our Facebook page and pop your questions in the comment section once we go live. And as mentioned, if you'd like to vote for Pinky and her team, we'll pop the links up on our website. Just head to kindling.com.au. You've been listening to a Kindling Conversation podcast. We'd like to reach as many parents as possible, and you can help us by giving us a review wherever you downloaded this episode. It means that more people can find us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.